confidence and your roar. Remember. I, I thought that was awesome. It just makes, when I see a lion roar, it just makes me want to go out and kill a giant or something. So, um, lion, just to give you a little bit about lions, lions roar to communicate their position to other prides and also cause people like me to run as fast as they possibly can. But a lion's roar is the loudest of any big cat and can be heard up to almost five miles away. Do you all remember the story I told last year when we were in Africa? We were on this, um, uh, what do you call it? Safari. And uh, we were in this little hut-type building, and uh, in the middle of the night, we heard lions right outside our door. I mean, they were just like, you know, doing that purr that your kitten does, but it's at a much higher level. Melody was sleeping right through it, man. I woke her up. I said, do you hear that? No. no I mean. But I just thought, man, I mean, my drill, I got a drilling rush at two o'clock in the morning. So the next morning we got up and there was these big, huge lion prints right outside our door in the dirt and everything. I just, that's why they, there's a big sign that I'm so thankful we did what the rule said. Do not leave the building when it's dark. Yeah. Because there, there should have been in small print because you could be eaten. Anyway, the great thing about lions is, you know, they're not the biggest animal. They're not the fastest. They're not even the smartest. But yet they are the king of the jungle. Why, why is that? It's because that's who they think they are. That is their identity, is that they know that they are the king of the jungle. Even though they're not the fastest, not the smartest, not the biggest, because when they see a rhino, they don't think that rhino's bigger than me. No, they think lunch. It's their mentality, the way that they think. So God wants us to think differently. He wants us to realize that we have the king of kings in our heart, that he is the Lord of lords, and so we need to understand and realize, and it will change your identity because God wants us to change our identity, amen? Because I know this, if you realize that the King of Kings is in you, you'll realize what is inside of you will dominate anything that is outside of you. Any circumstance is literally powerless compared to the power that is in you. Ephesians 3.20 says that God will do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that is, is, it's not in heaven. He said the power is in you. So uh, knowing your identity will cause you to be confident. It just causes you to be confident. Most people who know me realize that um, when it comes to being a mechanic or working on the car, I'm not confident in that at all. When I was growing up, I was raised by sisters. And my sisters and my mother, my mother never drove, my sisters did, but anytime anything happened to one of the cars, they would just got on the phone and would call somebody or a mechanic or something. And so nobody showed me how to change the oil. Nobody showed me how to 
do spark plugs, nobody, of course, there's no spark plugs today, but anyway, they, they didn't show me all of those things, and so, uh, just like my sister's, when my car breaks down today, hello, and then there's no confidence in that because I don't have the knowledge to do something like that, I don't know the ability, there's, there's people, there's guys that I know, and I mean, they can just take an engine apart and do it, everything, I go, go team, but um, if you don't understand something, then you don't have confidence in that. When it comes to victory in life, God wants you and me to know who we are. Why? So you will have confidence no matter what's coming against you. You have confidence that you can have victory over that. Amen? So that's vitally important. That's why I titled this confidence in your roar. You've got to have confidence. Knowing your value will cause you not to lose your roar, knowing your value, knowing your value, because if we don't know our worth, we will spend our lives trying to prove to everybody around us that we're good enough. I'm going to say it again. If you do not know your self-worth, your value, you will spend your whole life trying to be good enough and perform for everybody. Amen. Thank you for that one amen. I'm sure everybody who's watching online is just screaming and the, the television is, or the iPad is, is just shaking because of your excitement. I'm going to sit down today because this is what I want you to sense. I really want you to sense, first of all, to be relaxed. Everybody relax because I really want you to hear this message today like you've never heard before. Because I was thinking in the middle of the night to, last night, how that God really wants us to get this. He really wants us to get this. You know the story, there's um, Paul in, the, in Acts. He sits there and he, he goes to this community and there's statue after statue, image after image of all these gods that the people worshiped. And one god, or one image I should say, had the, the plaque under it that said the unknown god. So Paul goes to the people, and uh, I think it was just the real wisdom of God. Instead of going to these people and saying, you know, you guys shouldn't be worshiping all these false idols and these false gods. He, he never did say anything negative about any of that stuff. But he did say something. He says, that unknown God, I want to talk about him today. I know him. Wasn't that, that was just so cool. Instead of going, you guys are serving other gods, you're worshiping it, and I tell you, you just, oh, you're just being bad. It's evil what you're doing. He didn't do any of that. He just says, I notice you guys are real religious around here and serve all these gods. I, I want to talk to you about the unknown God. And there's a part of me that I sense that I want to say that. I want to talk about the unknown God to the church. Because I believe sometimes that we don't know God, including myself, the way that he wants to be known. And so God wants us to be confident in who he is, his nature. And I believe a lot of church people are not confident in his nature. I believe we still have the mentality of some of the Old Testament prophets. Because Moses didn't know God the way that he should be known. Abraham, David, none of the guys that we read about, and I'm not trying to belittle 
the Old Testament. Let me be perfectly clear. But I am saying this. They did not know God correctly. They didn't. Jesus is the one said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So if you want to know what the Father's like, look at me. Look at me. So I believe that's vitally important that we get God right. And he wants us to get his nature right. Because most people, like in the Old Testament, they think that God is very distant, hard to please. Man, his standard is way too high. He gets angry easily. And boy, when he does, is he full of wrath. And that is what people, their comprehension is of God. And that's just in church. I'm not talking about the people who don't go to church. I'm talking about church people. That's the way they think about God. He's so distant. That's why you hear worship songs. Come, Lord Jesus, come. You're welcome, Holy Ghost. Like, really? Do we really have to say that when he's living on the inside of us already? That's like going to my wife saying, hey, you're welcome to, to live in my house. How many think that would go over pretty good? You know I mean, you think that would go over? Just want you to know, since you're my wife... You're welcome to stay in my house. As I pick myself off the floor. But that's the way we treat God. Moving right along. Um, I saw this on Facebook. Did anybody see this on Facebook? Um, if I can get it out of my pocket. This guy who, who talked about a dollar bill. You know, I mean, what the value of this is... One dollar. It's not a trick question. The value of this is one dollar. And, you know, you can get it off the, the printing press, and it's nice and crisp. Have you ever gotten brand-new dollar bills or $100 bills? I mean, they're just nice and crisp, and it's like, ooh, wow, it's clean. But how many of you know it's still, no matter how new it is, it's still valued at one dollar? Now, you can take this dollar and... spit on it. I won't spit on it. You can do all kinds. You can roll it up. You can throw it across the room. You can stomp on it. And it, you, you can just do anything that you want to to this dollar. You can lose it and somebody finds it and they pick it up and they undo it. You can, you can even rip it in half. I didn't do that at the first service because I didn't want to rip up a bunch of money. But anyway, you could do that and if, if you still put it together, it's still valued at how much? So what this is, what God wants you to know. Listen to me now. Creating in the very image of God, every single one of you. You can be beat on by the world system. You can be mistreated, disrespected, not treated good at all. You can be rolled up and, and people even spit on you. You can be just... But this is the point that God wants you and I to get a hold of. No matter how you are mistreated or the way that you are treated, you are still the same value to him. That's good news. It'll help you when people are disrespectful to you, when people look down upon you and people mistreat you. If you know your sense of value, it will not matter. Did you get that? That is such a free. You know, we're trying to get everybody to treat us good. 
It ain't going to happen. Trying to get everybody. I used to think that. I think, I just need to work on people to get them to respect me. That didn't go good at all. You can't do that. So what can you do? Have a revelation of your sense of worth, your value. That's what God wants because I cannot make you like yourself or love yourself. I cannot do that. Did you know God cannot make you love yourself? He cannot. But this is the key to loving yourself is to know your identity and who you are. If you know who you are in Christ, I'm telling you, it'll even change the way that you behave. You know, because I still believe that we don't understand value like we should. I remember when I was uh, seven, eight, nine years old, some, that was before 10. I know I wasn't at single digits. I got my first bike. You know, we, we didn't, uh, we grew up, we weren't poor, but we didn't have money. So anyway, you didn't get that at all. My goodness. Anyway, uh, my point was, I, I never, my friends, you know, they would get a new bike or whatever, and I would just, you know, like envy to the hilt. You know, man, I wish I had that bike right there, that one, yours. I went to your bike. But I got a hand-me-down that was hand-me-down by many, it looked like many generations. But, um, but I remember to this day, it had blue fenders. The front fender and the back fender was blue. And, and it, it, but, I mean, when you pedal it, it, it made all kinds of noise. It was... It was really a piece of junk, but, um, but I loved that bike because that's how I learned to ride a bike on that bike. It was my first bike, and I just loved it, but, you know, I mean, it was not super valuable to me because I, deep down inside, I, I would ride my bike with friends, and, and they were riding Cadillacs and BMWs, and, and I was, I'm not going to say because you, you may have that kind of car, but anyway, it was not one of those, and, uh, but I remember the day that my brother-in-law, uh, he bought me a brand spanking new bike that no man rode before, kind of like Jesus and the donkey story. But um, I remember getting that bike, and I just thought, this is the most valuable thing in the world to me. Yeah, I remember it had a chrome rear fender, and the, spoke, the, the forks on it were longer than normal, and it had a smaller tire in the front, it had a bigger tire in the back, and I've never seen a bike like that. Matter of fact, I tried to buy a bike like that for my boys when they got older, and I, I couldn't, I go, I want to find that bike. They don't make it anymore. But anyway, it was so cool. I bought, I had some money in my piggy bank. I took it out, and I bought chrome polish. And I used chrome polish Every week, sometimes more than a week, I would wash that bike, put chrome polish on the fender in the metal that went around the, the wheels. I, I would chrome polish that, and I would just stand back and go, that's my new bike. I valued it so much. It was precious to me. So I treated it much differently than I did my first bike. I didn't put chrome polish. Of course, there was no chrome on that bike, but I mean, I didn't even wash it or anything. But I treated this one very special. I remember, if you ever had a, a vehicle that uh, was worth about $500, or a, today it would be maybe 1000 or 1500 and then you get a new vehicle. 
You know, you get a new vehicle, and your $500 vehicle, if you had muddy shoes or whatever, or, or people that all my friends who get in mud and they come and get in the car, no big deal. When I got my 69 Chevelle, somebody would trample through the mud, and they opened the door. I go, wait, you're going to have to take your shoes off. And they go, what? I'm not taking my shoes off. Then you're not riding in my car. Yeah. Because this is what I did with my, my Chevelle. I watched that baby all the time. I, it would, they said, it's going to rain today. It's going to be clean before the rain comes. I polished it. I waxed it. I, I just, I mean, and this is, you know, I'm 17, 18 years old. The, the Chevelle was here. God was down here somewhere. And then my family was down there. So that was the way that I, that I, uh, I'm just being honest. I mean, that, when I started, my mom, she said, you know, son, you're going to be turning 16. If you're going to drive, you're going to have to get your own vehicle. You're going to have to put your own gas in it. And you're going to have to pay your own insurance because, you know, I, I just can't afford that. And I go, oh, mom, I understand that. So I started working as soon as I could. Started saving money. And then when I started working at McDonald's, I, I, I was going to school full time. And I was working 40, 50, 60 hours a week all the time. Somebody called in sick, they, they knew to call me. If you wanted me to work, I worked as soon as I got off school, and I would work till 1 a.m. at McDonald's, which is totally illegal today. But back in those days, no, there was no rules. You could abuse children all you wanted. But anyway, uh, and not go to jail for it. But I, I did that because I was saving up all my money. Every single dollar went to that vehicle because I valued it so much. Everything. I got wider tires, everything. I, every, I wanted it to be so cool. And so, and it was. It was the coolest car I've ever had to this day. But um, I valued it. I valued it. And the Lord has been teaching me lately in the last three or four years. He says, I want you to understand how I value you. I want you to understand that, Mike, because uh, Jesus stepped into your life and my life to make us like him. Most people would say that, yes, Jesus is so valuable. But we don't look at ourselves in the mirror with the same kind of value. Jesus came to this planet, was born of a virgin, and lived on this planet so he could step into your life and to my life. That's how valuable he thinks you are today. So if you understand your identity and have a personal revelation of what Jesus and God the Father have done for you, it will totally change your life. I know that um, the royal family in England, you know, everybody... You know, when one of them gets married, I mean, it's the biggest wedding, the most watched wedding. It's unbelievable, man. But if one of you take one of somebody from the royal family and put them in a third world country, in the slums of the slums, they still would be royalty. Where they're living and where they're at does not change who they are. They understand that. People who believe in God do not understand that. 
We're trying to say, well, if I could get a nicer house, if I could drive a nicer car, if I, I could be somebody. And there's nothing wrong, don't, don't get me wrong, of getting a nicer house. I don't want people to think, oh, you don't think. No, I think your father wants you to have a nice house. Is there any parent here that does not want their children to have a nice house? I mean, what parent says, live underneath the bridge? No, you want your kids to have a nice house. You want your kids to drive a nice car. I want my kids to have a nicer home than I've ever had and a nicer vehicle. Well, maybe not the nicer vehicle, but a nicer. (laughs) Sometimes honesty, I mean, I just got to be honest. But we perform to have a greater value. You know why? Because that's the world system. The world system is if you are doing the greatest performance in your job, you know you're going to get promoted. You're going to make more money. If you do straight A's and B's in school, you're going to get that scholarship. I mean, you really are. I told this, I forgot, I left this part of the story out. When I was working at McDonald's and going to school full time, I mean, I was seriously working many, many, many hours. So I'd get home 1, 1.30, sometimes 2 o'clock in the morning, and school started at 7.30 in the morning. So for a teenager, you need more than four or five hours sleep. But I was not getting that. And so I was very uh, competitive even to myself about making good grades in school. And so I wanted to, if I could stay awake during class, I knew I could retain the information and make good grades in school. But my problem was sleeping four or five hours every single night that I would doze off. So all of the young people cover up your ears. But um, there was this product called No Dose <laughs> that I start. It's these little bitty pills, and it's like 50 million grams of caffeine. I don't know how much, but it was tons of caffeine. You pop those, and man, it's like, hey, what's the teacher talking about today? Hey, here we go. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> you, you take enough of those, and it surely was not good for me. So I know it wasn't. So I'm not advocating. No, that's, I'm pretty sure that those are illegal today anyway. But uh, I did that. But listen, I did all of those sacrificial things because the main thing was my car. That's what I valued more than any, anything. So I would sacrifice. I paid the price. I did everything because of the one thing. Now, I want you to get all of these things that I'm telling. I'm not just telling stories. I want you to embrace all of these things and take it to heart because God did the one thing for the value he had for you and me. You got to know your value. In other words, self-worth is about who you are, not about what you do. Because we try to take the same mentality that we've learned in the world. Don't get me wrong. I think it's if you, if you need to do your best and to perform your best, if you're going to get promoted, you cannot go to your boss and say, well, I believe in a grace message. So I just want you to promote me because, you know, I'm Mike Davis. You will be fired. No, the grace message is when you're coming into the kingdom of God. Now, if you understand the grace message, it will cause you to perform at a higher level. That's where we get it wrong. I totally believe that. I believe if you understand the grace message, it will change your life because your sense of worth, your sense of worth, when you, you take a, a $25, 30000000 million quarterback, 
who makes that much in one year, he's going to have the mentality, man, they paid $30 million for me to play this year. He is not going to watch Scooby-Doo 12 hours a day. He's going to think in the back of his mind, I am valuable. And because I'm valuable, I'm going to work out at a higher degree. I'm going to watch film. I'm going to do these, all these different things. Instead of going, man, I got to really work hard so to prove that I'm valuable. No, he, the team believed in him, and they paid him $30 million. And so now he has the mentality in the back of his mind that, whoa, man, I'm worth something. So now I'm going to perform at a higher level. Did you get that? Because see, the church turns it around and says, if you perform at a higher level, then you'll be acceptable by God. You'll be able to receive healing by God. You'll be, get your needs met by God. You'll have the favor of God because, you know, you're performing at a higher level. <laughs> no. That's self-righteousness. It is. But when it comes to the grace of God and you have a revelation of that, it's just like that $30 million quarterback. Now, I know I'm valuable. So it will cause you to change your life based upon the value that you know that God looks at you. Do you see that? I'm telling you, it's just a powerful thing. So when you understand your value, you, you realize then that you're not going to compare yourself to somebody else. You're not. I don't compare myself to other people, you know, because, well, they're doing better than me in life, and they've got this down, and, I, you know, he can work on cars. I'm a guy, and I, I, I should work on, be able to work on cars, you know. I just, that's, guys are supposed to do that. Guys are supposed to know about stuff like that, and I just go, no, don't have to. I got a phone. Do you understand? If you understand your value, you won't try to compare yourself or be like somebody else. God wants you to value other people as well. And you'll not be able to value other people if you don't value yourself. Two greatest things, he says, love God, understand the love of God. Understand the love of God. And number two is to love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, value your neighbor as you value yourself. So if you're not valuing yourself, you're never going to be able to value your neighbor that's why a guy can, some lunatic can go into some place and with a machine gun and kill 50 people because there's no value on those people. And the reason there's no value on those people is because there's no value in him whatsoever. Life is not valuable at all. So the greatest way to combat that is not make more laws, is to get people to know who they are. Amen. We value homes, we value cars. That Chevelle that I valued and put every stinking dime I had made into that is now a pile of ashes someplace on this planet. It burned to the ground. And the Lord says, you valued something. We value things that are just temporary. He says, my greatest value is in human life. Because it's eternal but eternal life, listen to me, eternal life is not living forever. Jesus said, I believe in John 17, he said, eternal life is knowing him, knowing Jesus. That's eternal life. Eternal life is supposed to be experienced in the here and now. 
in the here and now. So we cannot live from a performance mentality and fear instead of love and joy. God wants you to know who you truly are, and that will change your performance. Haven't you been like me and just tried to change? I mean, I've got tenacity. I've got bulldog determination. I mean, there's something inside of me that will just, I can do this. And there's been things in my life that I have failed at miserably when it comes to the things of God. And it's because I thought, I'm determined enough, I can do this. Have you ever had that mentality? And I'm not determined enough, and I don't do it, and I fail miserably. And then I look in the mirror and go, you piece of junk, you. I mean, you can't, why can't you do this? Why are, why are you doing this when you should be doing this? And we don't understand our value when it comes to how God sees us. And if you and I get a revelation of how God sees us, things that we've tried so hard to do becomes effortless. I'm discovering that over and over and over again. You know, like, you know, let's just press in and worship God. And we, we just need to do this because of that. And you try to get, make people do that, and they'll do that for a while. But if, you, if they understand their value, you don't have to say anything about that at all. At all. You should be reading your Bible. You should be doing this, and you should be. I'm just telling you, it doesn't work. Does it? It doesn't. John 3, 16, 17, true humility, listen to me, is agreeing with God. So you're ready to agree with God today. John 3, 16 says this, for this is how much God loved the world. He gave his one and only unique son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish but experience everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world. Before I finish it, did you hear that? God did not come into this planet to judge it and to condemn it. But he did come to be its savior and to rescue it. So God does not want you or me not only to judge or condemn, but he wants to make sure that you do not judge yourself and condemn yourself as well. The Lord's just been showing me how valuable I truly am to him. And so when I read the Bible, it, it, I discover things that I've read a hundred times before and did not see something. In reading Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, it says this. This is a story. In verse 44, it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and he hid. And for joy, he goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. Who, when he had found one, the pearl of great price, he went and he sold all that he had and he bought it. And this is what God wants you and I to get. He said, the hidden treasure, Mike, is you. The pearl of great price is you. Because he said, that's the way I treated mankind. I saw a treasure. I looked on this earth and I saw treasures 
hidden treasure. And he said, I saw great pearls of great price. So I did all that I could do. I had the most valuable thing that's known to man. It's more than all of the wealth of the world or the universe. It's Jesus Christ. And I gave him so that I could purchase you. So that I could have humanity. Do do you understand the value of that? I mean, I was just working 40, 50, 60 hours a week to buy a 69 Chevelle that's ashes now. I mean, God gave Jesus. He said, this is how valuable I see mankind. I'm going to give the most precious thing to me. And not only to me, but to all of the universe. There's nothing more precious, more valuable than this. It's Jesus. And he said, I saw something precious that I wanted. And so that I took all that I had to purchase humanity. John 15, 9 says this. I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your heart. The Father God says, I love Jesus. That it's, it's just an infinite love. And then he turns right around and he says, the same love that I love Jesus with is the same love that I love you with. You know, I love mathematics. You know, when I see an equal sign, I always say, okay, this on this side of the equal sign has to equal this on this side of the equal sign. And so I sit there and I look at that and I say, God loves Jesus and Jesus equals love. Therefore, the love of Jesus is the same as God himself. And the Bible says, God is infinite, and so my worth and your worth is infinite. I don't know if you got that or not, but this is what I'm saying. Your value is not just placed, it's not like, oh, there's an end to what, how valuable you are. Your value is infinite because of the equation. Love equals God, and God is infinite, therefore love is infinite, and he, when you are made one with the love of God. Listen to me. Are you following? If you're made one with the love of God, therefore his love is infinite. Therefore your worth is infinite. It's just hard for us to wrap that around it, isn't it? But that's why I'm saying we we have to get a better understanding of your worth. How valuable are you? It's infinite. That's how valuable you are. And if you start getting a revelation of that, honey, that will change your life more than any 10-step process. It'll change your life more than just your pure determination. Because once your determination is over, your victory is over. But if you understand the infinite worth that God has placed upon you, your infinite worth will change your behavior. It'll change everything about your life effortlessly because you understand I'm not just royalty. I'm infinitely valuable to God of what he has done for you and me. It'll rock your world. What this means is if I regard myself the way that God regards me, I will see myself as having infinite worth and know that I am lovable before God no matter what is going on in my life or how I'm acting or performing. Did you get that? You are worth loving 
That's what your heavenly father is saying to you today. You're worth loving. Amen, amen, amen. I don't have time, but in John chapter 11, the story is when Lazarus died, some Mary and Martha, his sisters. Lazarus was a close friend of, of Jesus. And so when he died, Jesus comes four days later to his house, or he's going to the graveside, and, and Martha hears that Jesus is on his way. So she runs out there to meet him, and she starts talking to him and says, you know, Jesus, if you would have been here, man, I know he wouldn't have died. But I know anything you ask, that I know everything, anything's possible. And Jesus says, he'll be raised. And Martha just takes a step back and says, well, I know he'll be raised in that day in the future of the last day. I know he'll be raised then. And Jesus stopped her and said, Martha, this is my interpretation. You're being religious. You're being religious because you are saying that the resurrection power is going to be sometime in the future. What I'm here to tell you today is I am the resurrection power. Not only will I be and have I been, but I am right now. Because see, religion will always say one of two things. It was great in the past and it'll be great sometime in the future. That's what religion echoes. I've heard people say this, and I've said this. Oh, man, wouldn't it have been great during those revivals, the healing revival back in the 40s and seeing all of that? Ooh, it would have been good. Ooh, it would have been good. And then you hear people say, oh, and I'm believing for a revival in the future. It's going to be great. It's going to be great sometime in the future. It's going to be a mighty revival. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Ooh, it's going to be good. While all along, Jesus is up inside you and me and all of heaven is saying this. I'm not going to be. And I'm not a have been. I am, an, I am now. I am now. So if you keep looking for the future, the devil will agree with you, by the way, on that revival thing. Yeah, someday. We're gonna, he's going to really pour out his spirit and really bless people. Someday. Someday. Sounds like a country song. All we're missing is a dog biting us. But anyway, I'm just saying, God wants you to know, don't put him in a someday God or a has-been God. Put him in the, the dirty and now, and he can make things happen today if you believe that. So you start, quit, just start, stop being religious and saying, I, I want God to do something. I believe he will. You need to believe that he has and he is. And always will. Amen. Let's stand.